Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit surreyfarms.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Episode 74. How Morning Afters. It flies very fast. I am one of your hosts, Jesse Kiefer. I'm another. I'm Gentelic. <laughs> you know what else flies fast, Jesse? Your iPhone into a cab. You know, and like when I first moved to New York, I didn't really understand the whole check the cab thing. And now I feel after seven years here, I'm pretty diligent. And I lost my iPhone last night in a cab after a very long night at work. The cab driver was talking to me about how the city doesn't represent cabbies and, and all of He was like really, really passionate. I was like, yeah, man, tell me more. And then I just got up and left. And luckily, I grabbed my receipt, which I don't usually do. Or, I, you know, like I pay with a credit card. And I'm like, ah, I don't need the receipt. It's just going to be garbage in my bag. And I grabbed that. So I've called, but no, no luck. No luck on the iPhone. I, you know, luckily, I, I needed an upgrade grade anyway. So Now you have a 5, which is the size of a guitar pick. I know, but so Jen showed me this incredible video of the iPhone 6, which... Is not real. Is not real? No. Oh. I hate to tell you this on air, but I'm afraid it was a fabrication by some 14-year-old tech geek in the Midwest. But so kudos to you. You didn't know that when you showed it to me, right? Mm, no, I thought it was real. So so basically in this video, it's like iPhone 6. I really it, wish like, you wouldn't go on. looks like a spaceship and the... Well, hold on a minute. <laughs> I thought... I've I thought seen it, it, it looks believable. I, I do, there too. Were, so there were holograms involved. Call me a that's, dreamer. That's not unbelievable. It, You know, it will happen. It's like when we thought that cars were going to fly one day. It's just kind of the... Or skateboards, right? Oh, yeah. back. What was that? Back to the Future 3, where they had the skateboard hovercrafts? That shit was real. I rewatched that a couple of weeks ago. Mind blown. I mean, really, I, I, you know, I wish. So, so actually, that makes me feel better that I got the iPhone 5 because I was like, man, I really want to hold out for that 6. So that you know, it, like, I, you know part of me thinks that I just I keep throwing mine into the toilet to get a 5, but I, I don't. <laughs> I just keep getting new 4s. It's difficult to maintain the ramparts of one's ego when you've seen your phone floating in your own feces more than once. More than once. Speechless. Totally speechless. Speaking of floating in feces, uh, I'm kidding. I'm We're totally going to Bonnaroo right next Bonnaroo. week. <laughs> I have seen some special things at Bonnaroo when I was there last year. I'm incredibly excited for Jen to be coming along I'm this year. really pumped, too. We're going to go stay with my parents in Nashville for a night and uh, hang out with the Telex, eat some, eat some food, eat some country cooking. What, yeah, we're going to eat some country cooking. It's yep. going to be vegan. Um, well, my father is still on a plant-based diet, so probably, probably so. A lot of beans, a lot of rice. The moment we land, is your voice going to completely switch into that drawl? I, li- I like to think there's sort of like a 10-point scale on which it slides during the trip. So by the end of it, I'm going to be full-on um, redneck rocking, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It, I'm, it happens to me. Like I'm terrified. I've never been to London, but I know if I go, I'll be like, all right. Literally, we have got to get you to London then, because that is not something I want to pass up. Uh, Speaking of Bonnaroo, however, 
I was thinking this week about the things that we will hopefully run into. Hopefully, it will not involve any Portageon accidents, as previously mentioned. But uh, I actually made a list. I made a I made a top ten list of things I hope we see at Bonnaroo. Um, Jack, can I have a can I have a drum roll, please? And by Jack, I mean Joe. <laughs> the top ten things I hope to see at Bonnaroo. Number ten. Stoners suddenly convinced that time and space are upset by movement, unable to leave the porta potty. Number nine. Stoners faced with the agonizing decision of spending their last $10 on a mega burrito or a light up hacky sack. Number eight. Brawless chicks playing hacky sack. Unleash them now, ladies. Gather them later. Number seven. An actual Kings of Leon fan. Number six. The one brave idiot bold enough to wear his furry costume and the Sahara level swamp heat. Top five thing I hope to see at Bonnaroo, Bjork's alleged travel companion, a 65-foot hamster-python hybrid. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, people. Number four, drunk frat boy completely incapable of putting his tent together, instead crafts shelter from Natty Light Cans and a Dave Matthews t-shirt. Number three, stoners trying to blow bubbles in the rain. Number two, a confused leather daddy who misread the entrance sign as Boneroo. And the number one thing I hope to see at Bonnaroo is security footage of Jen and Jesse being tasered after attempting to cut a lock of Tom York's hair with a pocket-sized purple nail clippers. Yes. Can we, Joe? Can we get some some claps for that? <laughs> Great. I mean, I think it's those a tough are room all, today. Yeah, it's a really tough room. I think those are all really likely things to, that will happen. I actually saw a guy in a head to toe like, um, oh god, what's the, what's the word for someone who's just wearing like um, not pleather but like spandex. You know, it almost looks like a like a thing costume kind of thing. A thing costume? Was it lycra? It was lycra, yeah, absolutely. And I guess he could see through it, but he it was just like bright orange and it was a head to toe spandex outfit. Like head to toe. Completely. He was in line for the water slide. <laughs> yes he was. <laughs> Speaking of the water slide, in studio today we have the water table. Uh, we checked in with uh, Kelly Farwell and Sue Walsh, I think back in January, and they didn't have a boat yet, and now they do. So I can't wait. Captain and first mate of the water table, welcome to the morning after. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to hear about the trials and tribulations of sailing the boat that you ultimately purchased from, I believe, Boston, right? From Boston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can't wait to hear about that and, and everything else that's, that's going on with you guys. Front of house today, Jen. Oh, yeah. We're going to go back in time. We're going to take a little time trip. Speaking of Back to the Future. Uh, speaking of oh, the, the Morgan Freeman produced and narrated science channel show through the wormhole, which is about black holes and theoretical physics in general, I dare you to check it out. I dare you. <laughs> that that consumed 95% of my last week. It's your favorite story. It's front of house. It's a front of house. How sassy. How sassy. So if I may, I'd like to bring the day men uh, as usual. The Baroness Olivier to uh, to read this piece for us. Dame? <clears throat> As I make my clunky, graceless exit from the front of house world, it seems only appropriate that today's feature visit the day I began. Though the hot-blooded, buzzing world of New York restaurants is for the most part populated and conducted by the young, I found my way there by working for the very, very old In 2002, after a series of shitty part-time jobs that had not ended well, after hostessing at Olive Garden for two months, I had managed to offend a blind man, trip a child, and start a small fire. My parents decided it was time for me to get back on the old horse. 
Why don't you try waiting tables, my dad had said, as though waiting tables was like trying jogging or Greek yogurt for the first time. I glared at him as only 17-year-olds can, and I said, um, I don't think so. You see, after college, I was going to move to New York City to be an actress, so I wouldn't have time for this puerile waiting tables nonsense. Not for me. My father had little patience for my attitude and reminded me that soon I'd have a mile-high stack of student loans to pay off, so I'd better get to it whether I liked it or not. Two weeks later, after a classmate tipped me off on a gig, as she put it, which was the first time I realized that calling a job a gig made it feel less permanent and way more legit. My gig was as a server at Marriott's Forum at Brookside, a retirement community for the aging Kentucky elite. The campus boasted a golf course, elaborate dining hall, and pool, though it had recently been closed for investigation after Mrs. Fitzpatrick had driven her scooty into it during an afternoon water aerobics class. I couldn't know this at the time, but the scooty would become a primary figure in my experience at the Forum. For now, I was given an oversized tuxedo shirt and clip-on bow tie and told to trail Michelle. Michelle had worked at the Forum for two years, which in high school time meant she was nearing retirement. She glided through the dining room with Hepburnian ease, kissing Mr. Mills on the cheek before dropping Mrs. Rubinson's cheesecake and refilling her coffee at the same time. The residents loved her, and I was later told I'd given her enough Christmas money that year to pay off her jeep. This place was amazing. Dinner was served at five, over at seven, and I got to eat all the angel food cake my heart desired. And so I followed Michelle's brazen lead, and soon myself became a favorite in the forum dining room. For those, for those on our staff not anointed with the gift of charm, there was a different job that required less effort. At the entrance of the dining room was a sign that read, Valet Parking Here. I remember seeing the sign for the first time and coyly asking a co-worker, um, why is that inside? Oh, it's for the scooters, she'd said. Stupid gin, it's for the scooters, of course. That Marriott's forum at Brookside allowed a staff of teenage boys to valet park dozens of scooters every night seemed a bit reckless to me, but the boys pulled it off without incident for the first few months of my time there. The first and perhaps most infamous incident, of course, involved me. Two months in and already restless, I pulled my co-worker Anthony to the side. Anthony, a round-faced boy with a musical twang, assured me it would be cool if we switched jobs for the night. The manager had been out of town and the assistant manager on duty was all but brain-dead. Okay, I said. Anything I should know? Nope, just the two speeds, said Anthony. The two speeds of which he spoke were indicated by two icons and a dial by the handlebars, a turtle and a rabbit. And so I began my first and last valet shift, putting through the halls to the maintenance closet where the scooters were kept. I'd been driving at a steady turtle for the whole of the afternoon and decided it was time to see what this bad boy could really do. As I rounded a corner, towards my last stretch of hallway, I cranked the dial to rabbit. My head was thrown back and I was shocked at how much speed this little thing could actually get. The wind in my hair and my widened eyes fixed on my destination. I careened on the empty hall. Fate is a tricky figurine, and that day she had decided that my time at the forum was over. For as I approached the maintenance room, wheels spinning wildly, out of an unseen door shuffled Mrs. Borellis. She froze in terror, seeing now that our paths were doomed to cross. I, instead of breaking like a normal person, twisted the handlebars to the side to avoid her, throwing me off of the scooter and on to poor Mrs. Borellis. As I lay atop of Gert, I felt that now was as good a time as ever to switch to a first-name basis. 
I glanced up at the tiled ceiling and I thought, I wonder what the future holds for someone like me. Ten years and three thousand restaurant disasters later, I now know that the job isn't the thing. Just like my joyride on the scooty that day, life is what you make of it, each shitty and wonderful job included. I'm ten years older and I do live in New York City and I am sure an actress, sort of. But as I move from this chapter in my life, I know, just as I knew lying atop Mrs. Borellis that day, that there are still many beautiful, terrible crashes to come. And so I thank you. I thank you. Adieu. I love to think that the Olive Garden was open when the dame was in her 20s. <laughs> or teens. Oh boy, let's go over to Olive Garden. Let's get a little jug of wine. <laughs> Oh, man. I did work. I did work at Olive Garden. That was my first restaurant job. And I was a host, S, and I would hoard Andy's mints and um, breadsticks and the hostess stand. And I was actually, uh, my parents don't know this, but I was fired because of it. Sorry. Sorry, Mom. You're hungry. I was, I was asked to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in college, we used to smoke a little weed and go to the Olive Garden and eat unlimited breadsticks it's, salad it's the most and whatever else and andy's candies economic for sure. option in I, the Midwest. I, have, I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for olive garden and more importantly red lobster oh but, well i smell a road trip stop so we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back talk about a new england style tavern that's nothing like the red lobster or the olive garden and, or the olive garden it's on a boat coming back with the water table this is the morning after on heritageradionetwork.org You're listening to Dirty Hands by Eula on the Heritage Radio Network.org. Stay tuned for more from the morning after. Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit www.surreyfarms.com. And we're back here on the morning after. The Water Table is Brooklyn's first dinner tavern on the water. Mm-hmm. In studio, Captain Kelly Farwell and first mate Sue Walsh. Welcome back to the morning after. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, last time we talked, you had no, uh, you had no boat, and we had a prospect. You had a prospect boat, yeah. which was in in Michigan. in Michigan. Okay, mm-hmm. in Lake Michigan, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And what happened with that boat? Um, well, 
You know, we really had our hearts set on it because we're both such lovers of tugboats, and this was actually a replica. It wasn't an actual tug because you can't really run that as a customer or a um, commercial vessel. Yeah, a passenger vessel. So um, we were very close to closing the deal on that, and it was in February, and you know we couldn't take it out and do a sea trial because it was too cold yeah the the lake was frozen so and we tracked down the builder of the boat he's like definitely don't take this out right now so we went to the cellar um i don't know how to describe him i can't do it the normal way maybe just very rural <laughs> and, and not not cooperative hickish. yeah very very uh and not cooperative and basically you said can we just extend the closing so we can do right. a sea trial and he essentially said, I want 20% down, but I hold it, not in escrow. And we're like, how do we know we're going to get the money back if the sea trial doesn't go right? And he's like, well, I'm unemployed right now. And I was like, oh, okay, so God. we're not going to get the money back. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he really and just... I'd like it in gold bricks. <laughs> Put his cards right out there. Yeah. And we're it's like, like, well... Man, you didn't even try. Kind of admire his chutzpah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we were really excited about that vessel. We, we That were. was it. We were like, this is going to be the water table. Yeah. And um, then, you know, we ran into these problems right. and... We had to it, shelf it. Yeah, it just had to be, we have to protect our capital and mm-hmm. we have to make the right business decision. And that, that was not going to happen with that vessel. So Definitely we not. had to go back to the drawing Abandon board. ship. Abandon ship. Literally. Um, Literally. Yeah. Um, we were really heartbroken. You yeah, know? We were, I was going to say, were you a little seasick? A little seasad? Oh, wow. it, was, it was some tough times. Right, you yeah. get one more. There was a lot of lying in bed, staring at the ceiling, wondering why. Um but then after, you know, about a week of that, I, you know, we had been looking at another boat that was out of Boston. And, um, you know, because we had this tugboat love, we really focused on that. But it ended up being that it was still on the market and it had real historic value, not a replica. It was uh, built during World War II by the U.S. Navy. Oh, wow. Yeah. As a um, yard patrol vessel, which essentially they would use for research and training midshipmen. And then during wartime, they'd convert them to minesweepers. So up until current day, they all have very thick, sturdy wooden hulls. Um, and it had a uh, certificate from, of inspection from the Coast Guard that was current and holds twice as many people and beautiful wood floor. It was sort of like we walked down and was like, this is the one. Yeah, it was definitely one of those things in life where you think it's all going wrong and then you yeah. realize... No, this is exactly what should be happening, and it's all going right. It's off right. <laughs> yes. So then we ended up um, going with that, and now we own it. Yeah. yeah. So what was it doing? Obviously, since World War II, something's been happening. <laughs> it's had with yeah, this long been life. Um, yeah. It's been in service, I think, since 1944. Since 1944. It, mm-hmm. it has most recently been a charter boat in Boston Harbor. A tour boat. Um, yeah, just going out with with minimal snacks and, and beverages and um, previously was a fireboat in New York Harbor at some point. Yeah, it, it essentially, um, prior to being in Boston, worked as um, a passenger ferry in off of Bar Harbor, Maine, where mm-hmm. it would just shuttle people out to this small island for clam bakes. And you're from Maine, so... Kismet. Yeah. Um, So it still has like a WBLM bumper sticker in the engine room from Maine, which I thought. That's so cool. This is a sign. When you're looking for signs, it popped out. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then prior to that, it was a, a fireboat in New York Harbor. So it just sort of all started to feel yeah. like maybe this really is. This vessel has been in the East Coast yeah. and, and just worked Working in commercially for a variety of ways. Yeah. yeah. So was there much, you know, interior reconstruction that you had to do? Because I imagine, obviously, with a boat, you can't you can't just start taking walls down. I Not mean, really. No. <laughs> So I hope not. It's pretty, you have to. pretty crucial to, to keep. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so you go in and you say, okay, I want to change this facade or, or this. How I mean, luckily, work? there's a lot of really good uh, raw material. The floors are beautiful. Um, there are a lot of windows, so we're kind of repainting. And it's in uh, Weehawken, New Jersey right now, getting renovated. And we have a lot of woodworking happening. The same person who's... Um, doing some of the the maintenance is also going to build all the tables um and then we are also doing a lot of electrical work to the sense is that it was sort of rigged in a lot of ways like a few different systems interacting together and we're trying to just streamline it make it simple um so those things started last week and they're making really great progress and then once we get to the next level we can get the tables made and then then we're really going to be getting it you know exactly where we want it to be right i i remember when we talked in january i was really kind of obsessed with how is service going to happen yeah do you now that you have the boat have mm-hmm. a better idea as to how it's all going to work or yeah. and as far as like tables are going to be like bolted in and, definitely okay yeah with drinking you want things as stationary as you can get them um and the good thing about the boat is it sits really heavy in the water. I mean, it's built by the Navy. It's made for training, you know, inexperienced people or midshipmen. So um, it really can take the wakes that, you know, come off the ferries. Um, and it doesn't really rock much. I mean, when we brought it back from Boston, it just, like, powered through. And we hit some pretty turbulent water along the way. And it just handled it really well. Um so, yeah, we want to bolt everything down and um, have been thinking a lot about service and what we think people will like. And, you know, I think the last time we might have spoken a little bit about it. And mm-hmm. it's not too far away from okay. that same premise, which would be to, like, create this hybrid position, which with all of my training experience in restaurants, I was like, people love to learn new skills. It gives them tools to move on and do something else if they want. Um so the idea is to, like, get deckhands uh, who make kind of not a lot an hour mm-hmm. and train them in hospitality. So then they get their hourly that they would get as a deckhand, plus they get tipped out. Mm-hmm. They learn a new skill, and it gives them incentive to show up because you definitely can't leave without them. Yeah. I, I want this job. Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> I have to ask, and I'm sorry to cut to the most important question so quickly, but what are the outfits? Um... Uh, we haven't really figured that part out, part out, but we're thinking, you know, minimal, simple, like... Yeah, it'll it'll feel yeah. pretty casual. If I show up in a white tuxedo... <laughs> You're hired. Okay. <laughs> Do you own one? My job is down here. Does it yeah. matter, Jesse? <laughs> no, no. You'll find one. I will find one. <laughs> uh, so, we were talking earlier about... Um, you're going to be in the East River. Correct, yeah. So, I live in Alphabet City, and, mm-hmm. you know that bitch Sandy happened. Yeah, it sure did. And so I want to know, you know, what you're doing is, or what you're preparing for if, if something like that is to happen again. 
Uh, we were just kind of thinking about that. That's been in the back of my mind since, you know, Sandy and like owning a boat and like, what do you do? You can't mm-hmm. go south. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to run right into it. Yeah. And hurricanes are really unpredictable. Um, and now we sort of average one a year and every year it gets more substantial, mm-hmm. um, more like a real hurricane and less like a bunch of warnings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's something you want to get in a marina and get it secured and keep an eye on it, just like everybody who owns a boat. And I know a lot of the um, the commercial vessels right now, many of the captains just got on the boat and hung out and dealt with it. And they didn't go out in the water, but, like, they were there to take care of any sort of incoming water and mm-hmm. jostling around and resecuring the lines. And, you know, I think that's part of the commitment to, like just sort of deal with it yeah you know yeah. in some ways it seems a lot better than sitting around with no power and staring at the wall you know yeah no absolutely i mean i i was thinking about boats in the middle of that and yeah. would it make more sense to be on the boat or yeah. like riding it out and yeah. i mean i know nothing about about boats mm. obviously but um well certain boats just w- wouldn't survive and they mm-hmm. didn't you know and i mean we hope that, I mean, this boat has been in service for 70 years, and it is like a tank in the water. And we hope that, you know, it would be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if any boat could, of its size, that one could. So, you know, when we were coming back, and we hit this rough patch called Buzzards Bay when you're coming out oh, of Mass. Oh, yeah, on the, the Cape. Yeah, and I feel you're... like this yeah, is you, like a scene out of Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> now we're coming oh, up on God. Buzzards oh, Bay. And I had read blogs, you know, that it was rough. Like, don't go in there. So when I plotted on the charts the trip back, it was like, okay, we'll be getting through there by a couple hours before it gets hairy. But then the fuel barge in Boston we were supposed to coordinate with was two hours late, and that set us back. So then we kind of got right into it as it was getting dark. and Oh, man. We probably had, like, six-footers coming up over the wheelhouse for two or three hours straight. Yeah, things were definitely, like, flying around the boat. Couldn't walk. What is the exchange between the two of you at that point? Like, there was some seasickness happening. I, you know, <laughs> I'm used to being on land, yeah. <laughs> and I got pretty seasick and yeah. felt like I couldn't move, right, or turn my head even. Yeah. And that's what I kept seeing. I was in the <laughs> wheelhouse, and every time I turned around, Sue was sitting on the the bench with her like arms crossed, like a. Like she's on the bus, like from like, the '60s, just sort of yeah. sitting, facing forward, not moving, and I'm barely thinking, blinking. like, oh I'm my like, god, I just want to fall asleep and wake up and have this part be over. Like when it's I, when it's pitch blackout, yeah. and oh my god. it is like waves rocking this boat, and the boat's, yeah. you know, it's everything's cool, but I've never been on a boat for 24 hours, and so I got really sick. Yeah. Um, we finally like figured out a way to like get me into a sleeping position some dramamine and, and um, a strange bracelet helped yeah but it was i have to say i was really scared it was terrifying yeah. there were some moments for sure where i was like and kelly was great she was just she was just trying to comfort me and and was super patient and i was like wondering why i didn't get those life rafts after all <laughs> but it was fine like it truly just the door of the explorer floaties i yeah, don't yeah. know that those exactly. are gonna cut it babe i was like why did i think that was a bad idea um what a crazy experience to have together though i mean yeah. it's one thing to be starting an exciting new business and, and yeah. be doing but it's like to have that be the foundation 
for for bringing the vessel home. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I mean, it's such a cool mythology. Yeah, to it have was pretty cool. It's yeah. the beginning of your. It is. And the boat had no. It still doesn't have doors on the back. Like we have to. We're having doors built, so it was definitely like. You're in the elements a little bit. Yeah, big time. <laughs> you just picture me in that white tuxedo, <laughs> rocking it, pulling the curtains closed. You don't need a door. Yeah, but I have to right. say, during the day before Buzzards Bay, and even on Sunday, which was the day that we got to Newark Harbor, it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so amazing to be out in the water and like yeah. and even you know in the ocean and and feel like you're just powering through it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I, it was a really amazing experience. It is like a shark in the water. It just sort of like, yeah. it's not a fast boat, but it has a lot of power. So it just sort of like moves along. And every boat we passed was like one of two audiences, which were people that took a lot of pictures or people yeah. that were flying along that like mm-hmm. hit the brakes when they saw us. Yeah. Because I mean, it definitely it, still looks like a Navy boat. It looks like a military vessel. Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so it's like when you see a state trooper and you like hit the brakes. <laughs> exactly. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> um, so how long are you actually on water for one of these experiences? I mean, if I, as, as a patron, mm-hmm. came in, like, how long is the full experience on water? Uh, it's After boarding, it's about two hours, I yeah. guess. And then it's We're a half hour on and off and two hours out. And we want to do, like, two runs a night and early and a late. And then uh, brunches on the weekends and um, on summer Fridays, you know, like, champagne oyster friday afternoons yeah oh, and lunches man. i, I mean wait. you know year two and three the plan is just that this boat is working right working now, right? all the time yeah and you have outdoor seating right yeah yes there's a cabin and then there's an upper deck so yeah. um we're gonna have like that be the lounge like get little tables and have little pockets where people can hang out and yeah and the boat is certified to carry 100 people but we really want to keep it around 50 because the upper deck is certified for 45, and we want to make sure. I mean, after working in Dumont and having that garden <laughs> where it gets crazy and you have to find a way to fit, like, twice as many people in one room, um, we don't want to deal with that. So no, we when you're to also intimate. manning a ship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's going to be enough to think about. But um, we no. just want to make sure it's intimate. And, yeah. Like, you can hear the person you're talking to. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, I cannot wait for this. What is the projected opening date well i mean right now it's like hurry up and wait you know we have a lot of the certifications done we have one left to do um all the woodworking everything is moving along pretty quickly it's like the liquor license is probably the biggest mm-hmm. yeah wait. as always as always you as know always. it's they, you know it has gotten a lot quicker and with a vessel i think it'll move quicker than on land um so it's really kind of up in the year. We're definitely opening this year. We're hoping to get as much out of the summer season as possible in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems really critical. But we're only going to be out of the water two months out of the year. Oh, okay. So we're running pretty much our last... This year might be different if we get a later start in the summer. We'll run it through January mm-hmm. um, just to kind of make up and get people on board. Uh, but typically it would end... After New Year's, it would be hauled out every January for a couple of months where it gets maintenance Mm -hmm. and back in March 1st for the other 10 months of the year is the plan. Well, I really hope to be on the maiden voyage. Of course. And I'm so excited. As do I. I'm written that tux. Yeah. Well, we need a bouncer. I'll I'll wear one as well. I'm going to top hat. (laughs) 
there's a cane and I might have a giant ruby ring that I make children kiss wow. as they enter. That's amazing. I'm seeing an image for our flyer right now. <laughs> I love it. That's so New England. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the website is uh, thewatertablenyc.com. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Check it out. We'll be right back on the morning after with what's on the menu at Chardonnay's. This song's called Maurice Narcisse by Eula on the Heritage Radio Network.org. That's a band called Eula. They're really awesome. I've seen them probably like five or six times. They're from Brooklyn. Joe, I'd also like to take this opportunity to formally apologize on air for calling you Jack earlier, because you kn- you're my only Joe, and my my heart beateth for you. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I, I'm on about 45 minutes of sleep, so the synapses weren't firing as quickly as I'd like. Yeah, you should go to bed. I'm going to right after this. So, like we said earlier, we are going to Bonnaroo, and... You know what? What? Ha- although we're not going to be, we're not going to be driving. But classically, you should be going on a road trip. Well, hold on. Okay, we are we're we are flying driving. to Tennessee, but we're driving from my parents' residence in East Nashville to Bonnaroo, which is not in Nashville. So, in all fairness, it is a short. So we have an hour-long road trip with my mother, <laughs> with Mama Tulloch. Hey, MG. So we thought it would be only appropriate to do a. Road, Road trip, trip Chardonnays. Chardonnays. Ooh, uh-huh. What's on the menu with Chardonnays? Gotta know who makes those jingles. Um, yes, yeah, so road road trip. <laughs> Jesse has time. rolled her eyes at me and and flipped me off more times in the last thirty minutes than I think in our entire friendship combined. I'll take it. It's so fine. we're gonna be sharing a tent we're together going, soon. Okay, we are to gonna it. be sharing a tent together, girl. You ready for my herbal deodorant? Um so we're going on the road trip with my mother, Mary Gay Tulloch, uh, a woman of great infamy in the South and abroad. And uh I was thinking about what we might be eating on this road trip. Now now historically when I, I've gone on many road trips with my beloved brother, we pretty much only eat beef jerky and um fart and the coconut car. water. That's been the yeah. And um and I must admit, for a time in my life, though now in the past, a lot of cigarettes. So it was like cigarettes, beef jerky, and a lot of Led Zeppelin. But, you know, I've grown up. So I'd like to add a couple of things to the menu. Um, I was wondering what you were thinking. Well, I mean, I guess mine is, mine is like classy Chardonnays. I, all I want is cheer wine. Oh, sure. Me too. Anybody... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> cheer wine. Not is, natty but... ice in a Gatorade bottle. That's, who does that? <laughs> 
<laughs> if we can find it. <laughs> oh, I'll no, find I mean, it. I, I just, I want like a ton of, you know, of, of, of syrupy soda. Sodas. Okay. Absolutely. Sodas. That's, that's all I want. I'm, I mean, it's only an hour, Jen. There's, okay. An hour, an hour with me and my mother combined can seem like a lifetime. Ask my father. Okay. I'm going to get some Funyuns. You're, there needs to be Funyuns. I would like to have some Bugles. This is the one day this year I'm allowing myself high fructose corn syrup. So I want, I'm going to drink like Dr. Pepper cherry shit. And, um, no, absolutely. And we're going to, we're going to have to get a cooler. Oh yeah, definitely. A styrofoam cooler. What, is there like a, a beer in the South that everybody drinks that's not Natty Ice? Oh God, what do we drink? Well, my dad likes, my dad's kind of a beer snob. So in our house, it's, it's like good beer. He drinks craft beer. I'm very proud of him, but Everybody else, like my friends from high school and shit, it's it's pretty much like Natty Ice, Budweiser, Bud Light with lime. Mm. Is uh, is yeah. Okay, we'll do some Bud Bud Light with lime. Absolutely. However, well, if you guys are going to Bonnaroo, I've had like I'd like to make a suggestion. Yes, Joe. Um, So what you should have is you should have a can of whipped cream, and then you know, so you do you you eat the whipped cream, and then you just inhale the nitrous. (laughs) Oh sure, whippets with my mother. Last chapter of my memoir. Come on. <laughs> Kelly, what do you eat on a road trip? Uh, actually, we did have quite a bit of beef jerky. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not going to yeah, lie. We did. that shit is Pringles. Probably too much. Pringles are always happening. Oh, yeah, yeah, Pringles. Um, you know, I was so afraid of people getting hungry that... I probably get enough food for 20 people to go to the Bahamas. And it was yeah, a 24-hour trip. Like, From Boston to Brooklyn. Yeah. There was... we. I think we had like eight pounds of deli meat left over. Yeah. <laughs> Six packs Basking of hot dog buns. in the midday sun. Yeah. <laughs> Cases of beer, Gatorade. I mean... Yeah, and I drink a lot of water just because I'm oh. a runner. And I was like... Eight huge jugs of like water. Double gallons. We have fifteen. We had like thirty gallons of I water mean, for ten people I for twenty four hours. Your hair it was a lot. That's yeah. <laughs> my when Y two K didn't happen. Right. My my beloved father filled nearly our entire basement with gallons <laughs> of water, and he was like, "Nope, uh, Mary I think we need thirty more." I, think we need to I understand. Thirty more. I understand. Uh, that. Kids get thirsty. And I know. I was at the deli at Shaw's. I was like the first person in the morning, and she was just like, "The more I ordered, the more psyched she got." She was like in her seventies, and she was just like working that slicer. I was like, I, "Another pound! Give me another pound!" Speaking of preparing for disasters, I, I have to say because we were talking about weddings earlier, so Lindsay and I just just um, filled out our registries, and uh, one the first thing that we agreed on our Amazon registry was a go bag. <laughs> which is like basically a high uh, like a high functioning LL Bean backpack with water purification tablets and like a radio wow. flashlight hybrid. Wow. Um and so many of our friends were like, "Hey, um what's the backpack with like all of the jerky and like space food on your wedding registry?" And we were like, "You never know what shit is going to go down when the zombie apocalypse comes. That backpack is on my back." Yeah. I'm LL ready. Bean is a good source for that stuff. Yes. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm remembering a road trip that I took. My my best friend Adriana is in the studio right now, and she and I drove from Phoenix to L.A. and we did not have a lot of money. And I think we bought a bag of cherries and a box of Honey Nut Cheerios, and that is That'll all last, we at ate. At least a year. That is all we <laughs> ate until like dinner time because we didn't have a lot of money. And we're like, well, if we're gonna get some drinks, like they're gonna hit us hard if we only have cherry. 
and Honey Nut Cheerios for dinner. Yeah, we really did that. Sorry. No, that's great. Look, you've got your fruit. You've got your carbs. You've got some oat. I think that's great. Covering all your bases. Yeah, I, I just want to get um, a fireproof bodysuit and a gas mask, and then I'll fully be prepared so, for you're so much more whatever prepared. is to come. Whatever is to come. So Bonner is going to be great. We look forward to coming back to you in two weeks. Um, we're going to go. We're going to talk to some artists. We're going to talk about food. There's a lot of new food stuff happening at Bonnaroo yeah, these past couple of years. There's going to be um, a food truck oasis. We're going to kind of talk to the youth and ask them what they're eating. The youth. The youth. <laughs> Jen, we're 30 now. Almost. Hold on. I turned 30 in July. <laughs> let me squeeze this last this last month like water from a stone. Just okay. let me have it. Let's just we're going to let it go at Bonnaroo. Uh, that last month. Well, if we make it back alive, we look forward to uh, reporting our shenanigans and I'm sure we'll have plenty of stories of of food, um, food music and otherwise. Absolutely. Thank you so much it's Kelly and treat. Sue. Thank oh, you thank Jen. You. Yeah, thanks, you guys. Amazing. WaterTableNYC.com? Yes. Bam. And this is The Morning After on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.